bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. We're glad you can join us. I'm Paul Dragu, and Happy New Year. A former Army officer is leading an effort to hold the military accountable for its COVID injection experiment. It's making quite a fuss, but what does it mean? Also, anti-perversion legislation in Ohio and Iowa have run into one-man roadblocks. And Harvard's identity hire president finally resigned after more allegations of plagiarism surfaced. We're going to look at those stories, and we'll be talking to the CEO of the John Birch Society, Bill Hahn, about the Birchers' plans for 2024. But first, as you probably know, in blue states across the country, there are furious attempts to remove leading presidential candidate Donald Trump from the ballot. This is because he's on track to win the 2024 election. Removing him from the ballot would serve as insurance in case all the lawfare ultimately fails. In Colorado, the state Supreme Court voted 4-3 to three last month to boot him off the ballot. That decision has since been shelved by the Secretary of State there, who is waiting for the Supreme Court to weigh in on the matter. But in Maine, it's the Secretary of State who unilaterally removed Trump from the ballot. There have been numerous other attempts in states like California, Minnesota, and Michigan to subvert the will of the voters. Trump, of course, leads bigly in the GOP primary. To say his lead is a comfortable one is an understatement. Early last month, a Reuters Ipsos poll said his primary lead was 60 points. It used to be 50 points not too long ago, but it keeps getting bigger with each illegitimate attempt to stop him. The deep state's concerns are legitimate. In a head-to-head -head with the current White House occupant, Joe Biden, Trump leads between two to four points. This is according to mainstream polls, which likely means that in reality, his lead is higher. Furthermore, recent reports have shown that Biden is losing support with groups of people who have overwhelmingly supported Democrats for decades. Because no matter how thick they lay on the propaganda, no matter how much they sue the man, besmirch his name, it's not enough to overcome the disastrous reality that Biden's subversive administration has brought about. The Trump train is on path to victory, and the only way to stop him is to blow the train off the rails. So joining me to discuss today's stories is executive senior editor of The New American, Steve Bonta. Hello, Steve, and welcome back. Hi, Paul. Good to be back. Yes. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So, Steve, has there ever been this level of desperation by a political party to stop its opponent? Well, I can't speak for all of the world's 200-odd countries out there. I'm sure there are, uh, you know, in, in other countries. All right, but, all right. But you the implication I... being here in the United States, yes, that's yes the implication. there has been probably... Exhibit A would be the election of 1860, when the Southern Democrats, the, the Southern wing of the Democrat Party, which was the dominant wing at that mm -hmm. time, was bound and determined to stop Abraham Lincoln from getting elected president by hell or high water. And they did this by successfully excluding him from ballots in all 10 Southern slave states. Now, we have to be careful not to draw too close a parallel, because in those days, states did not create ballots that had mm. all the candidates' names on it. So there was no, it wasn't a matter of, of legal hijinks, you know, working with entrenched politicians and bu straight bureaucrats to prevent them from being on printed ballots. What happened instead was that each campaign would produce its own ballots with slates of candidates that they would distribute that people could use yeah. as they chose. And what happened then in the South was... Were they forbidden for passing them out? Well, no. We, yeah, in effect, they were forbidden from even printing them. Everyone knew that if anyone even tried so much as to print ballots mm. and, and issue them with, with Lincoln's name and, and, and ticket 
on it that they would probably be 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 summarily lynched or wow. something like that. So the, so that's the, quite a threat. So yeah, it was a campaign of intimidation. The result was that no one in those states mm. was able to vote for Lincoln at all. So he was elected president by virtue of most of the other states, including yeah. you know the new state of California and the West West Coast, mm. uh, voting for him. And but he was successfully excluded from. You know, from from the balloting, from ballotage in, in in all across the South, and in spite of that, he was still won. He still was elected president. Now, so are you re- saying that Trump is still going to win? <laughs> well, I am saying that there's a legitimate possibility that some of this may stand. That the Supreme Court may decide not to issue a ruling. You know, saying in, in effect, well, we maybe we privately disagree with what's going on, but this is ultimately a states' rights mm. issue as far as determining the particulars of ballot access and voter um, yeah. eligibility, all these other things, you know, we, we often hold those to be state states' rights. But in the end, it probably won't matter because most of these states that are trying to exclude Trump are states where, by hook or by crook, they're going to make sure he doesn't win anyway. You know, if well, they have to do it fraudulently, obviously. You is know, that really the case? Because, I mean, for instance, we live in Wisconsin. It's a swing state. We know that mm. there was an attempt in Michigan, which is has been considered yeah. uh, a, a Possible swing state. Obviously, in 2016, Michigan went for for Trump. So if it gets too crazy and it starts happening in, in Michigan, I mean, here in Wisconsin and even in Pennsylvania, which they say may be in play, then that could be a major, major factor. Now, it, it seems like even though over 100 years, the Democrat Party has changed clearly everything. It still seems like there's this 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 current of 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 power of desperation power that it plays over and over. Isn't that interesting? Well, I mean, you know, whenever Democrats and liberals, or do I repeat myself, are confronted with the very obvious and salient fact that the Democratic Party has been the party of racial discrimination from the get go. It was yeah. the party that supported slavery, and then after the Civil War, supported you know Jim Crow laws, segregation. Uh, it was the it was it supported it right up right up to the 1960s. Yeah. In fact, prior to the passage of the civil rights law, and 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 even more and recently, now it still supports racism. Well, so, so, albeit they call it reverse racism, racism, right? Is I mean, racism. I mean, so he was like, well, that's not you know we, we changed our and what's happened. In fact, is that the only party that's fought against slavery, at least nominally. I realize mm. there's a lot more to the history of the Civil War than that, but nominally, at least. You know, the, the Republican Party was the anti-slave party. So, and it was the anti-segregation, anti-Jim Crow party and all that, which is why it gained little traction in the South for many, many, until comparatively recent times, the yeah. South was all Democrat territory because of that legacy of support for yeah. the slavery and the larger Confederate cause, which of course was more than slavery. I don't mean to imply that. Many of our astute listeners understand well that the Civil War was not just about slavery, yeah. but that was certainly a, 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 a component. Of so, so what's the commonality? The commonality is that the Democrat Party is what Burke once called the court faction. It's the party that represents the interest of power, the amoral interests of power, no matter where they happen to lie. So that's been the common thread throughout its, basically from the, from the time of its inception in the tumultuous Jacksonian era, yeah. the creation of the modern Democratic Party rested, effectively rested political party power from the opposition yeah. and has become the, the power nerve center ever since with the Whigs and then from the Civil War onwards, the Republican Party serving as what, what is also called the loyal opposition. And that has been the calculus of power. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you since. brought that up. Washington is, Washington, what's one more thing, Washington is a democratic city. 
Yes. Everybody knows this. But everyone also knows, like you said, that the Republican Party has for decades been controlled opposition. They have been right. one side of the other the, the other side of the coin. Uh, Carol Quigley said that it was a joke uh, to believe that, you know, there were actually two legitimate parties. But would you agree or would you say that Trump has been a central component in and smashing that dichotomy. And do we legitimately have, thanks to Trump, a opposition party in the GOP if if Magus has succeeded or succeeds? Well, I, I would I would say a couple of things. First of all, Trump has been compared to Andrew Jackson, and I think rightly so. In many regards, he resembles them, except for the military thing. I mean, Jackson was a military man through and through. Trump is not. But aside from that, there are a lot of similarities. Okay. But that said. So, so I, do, I, I do think that the MAGA movement does bid fair, perhaps, to, for the first time since 1860, reconfigure the national partisan political calculus. However, that said, if it should succeed, it will then become the new Democratic Party, because that's the nature of party politics. Pa- parties are, by, by their very nature, amoral and obsessed with the tribalism and the acquisition of power. And so should the MAGA movement truly you know, either reconfigure the Republican Party um, or end up creating a new party of, it, of its own or something like that, it will then by default begin behaving, maybe not right away, but eventually as the Democrats have behaved so long, i.e. gravitating to wherever they sense you know, the newest currents of power are taking them. Yes, but would this party be as, as vicious and, and, and focused uh, and and t- tyrannical in a way. Certainly, I, because human nature doesn't change. H- human partisanship is, is eternal. Yeah. It, it, will, it won't change. Right now, just like the party of Lincoln, it's, it professes to be about all these lofty ideals because it's still fighting for its very survival. But if and when that changes, the rest will change as well. Thank you, Steve. Coming up, a former military officer has notified U.S. military leaders that law-abiding troops and vets are coming after them with every legal means at their disposal. Freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know. What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people, and I believe they are killing people with this vaccination. The freer you are. It's murder. They are basically murdering people in hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. TheNewAmerican.com Folks, for more non-propaganda news and in-depth analysis from the New American Magazine, make sure you have a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of the magazine. The New American Magazine has been telling the truth and accurately projecting policy and cultural trends since 1985. We are the official magazine of the John Birch Society, which was founded in 1958 to stop the New World Order. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than the New American. You get a subscription online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top and then hit subscribe on the drop down. If you prefer, you can call for a subscription 1 800 727 
800-727-8783, Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. That's 800-727-8783. Now to our next story. So hundreds of current and former service members vow to do everything legally possible to hold U.S. military leaders accountable for their COVID injection experiments. On Monday, the first day of 2024, former, former Lieutenant Colonel Brad Miller published a letter called the Declaration of Military Accountability, signed by him and 230 other troops and veterans. Miller said he sent the letter to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and other senior military leaders. The letter starts out by saying, quote, in the course of human events, it sometimes becomes necessary to admonish the lawless, encourage the faint-hearted, and strengthen the weak. We have reached just such a time in our history. The affairs of our nation are now steeped in avaricious corruption and our once stalwart institutions, including the Department of Defense, are failing to fulfill the moral obligations upon which they were founded, end quote. The letter singles out a number of specific military leaders, including General Mark Milley, who served as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff from October 1st, 2019 to September 30th, 2023. Miller's letter says that these individuals enable lawlessness and the unwilling experimentation on service members. The moral and physical injuries they helped inflict are significant. It also says that some service members became part of the ever-growing veteran homeless population, others developed debilitating vaccine injuries, and some even lost their lives as a result. The letter said that in the coming years, thousands within the military network will run for Congress and seek appointments to executive branch offices. General Mike Flynn applauded this. He said in a, in a tweet that this is a very big deal and that all flag officers, active and retired, need to pay heed to it. This is not another letter signed by a bunch of generals and admirals or senior intel officials. This is penned and signed by members of our military's rank and file. This is a very serious warning to the American people, and we better pay attention. The letter has since gained more than 7,000 signatures. So, Steve, I found it interesting. I actually shared this news with some of my uh, my veteran family members. I have quite a few of them. And I try to do it first and foremost through Facebook. And Facebook said, you can't send this. It violates our community standards. So um, it sounds like, does that mean that they're scared of this thing? Um, there's various opinions about it. Is it a big deal? Is it not? I'll, I'll relay the opinions of our publisher uh, later in this segment. What, what do you make of this? Well, it, it's another cry uh, trying to, you know, from people that I guess have a, a certain amount of credibility having, you know, I mean, I myself am not a military vet, so I, I can't speak mm -hmm. to that, but I, you know, I gather, you know, for, for people who are, well, for those of us who aren't, I mean, it, you know, it's, it, it's often tempting to assume that the military is monolithic for those of us who are frustrated by yeah. the woke trend in the, I mean, certainly General Milley and most of these other chiefs of state, these other, you know, elite generals, nowadays are completely captured by the woke establishment. They are reliable assets of the deep state, one and all. Yeah. And so it's tempting for those of us who are on the outside who don't really know a lot about the inner workings of the U.S. military, sort of assume that the military is this monolithic machine. That they've all fallen in line. That they're all falling in line and that they're ready <clears throat> at the drop of a hat should President Biden or his, some successor of his declare martial law you know, crack down on 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 the right wing. Or that the military will comply, much as they did in the American Civil War. Yeah. Okay? 
And it's far from clear that that's the case. Obviously, something like this shows that there is considerable dissent in the ranks yes. on the, the, the actual trigger pullers uh, as to as to you know the viability of much of the military's mission. Certainly, this of course and and and, and creates doubt as to whether you know the military would in fact be willing to obey orders were they called upon to march into America's cities and put down quote unquote insurrections this, or, or, or and, you know round up people and all the, all this kind of thing. Yeah. So obviously a document of this sort needs to be suppressed because it's very subversive to the regnant narrative that's being pushed in the established media that no matter what happened, I mean, because of course Biden made this comment when he first, I think before he even became president, he was asked about, are you worried about an uprising? He said, oh, I'm not worried because we have F-16s and nuclear weapons, yeah. or words to that effect. Meaning, you know, no matter how minoritarian we become, you know, in the our little beltway cocoon, we still have this massive military cum praetorian well, guard yeah, that'll yeah. go out there and kick butt if need be and, and, and make sure that, you know, that the farmers with their rifles don't get too uppity And, and, and this, brings, this reminds me of, I don't know if you were here, you may have been in at COP28, when we play that clip from Dick Durbin, who was saying, look, all these, all these migrants who are illegal, who, we have come, who have come here, well, maybe we should consider letting them in the military, you know, providing oh, sure. their good citizens. Mm. So clearly this is part of it sounds really conspiratorial, but it can't you can't avoid the fact that they surely are thinking about this. This is clearly a subversive administration. And the fact that Dick Durbin said it out loud that we should consider we have recruiting problems. And this is part of the reason Mark Miller, uh, Miller talked about that. They have recruiting numbers. So now they're saying, why don't we bring in uh, these people who have no allegiance to the United States, to the people of the United States, to the country, uh, in, into the military? Now, I want to, uh, like I was going to say, Dennis Barron, our publisher, he, he and I were talking yesterday. And he's kind of like you. It's like, uh, you know. It could be a big deal, could not. He doesn't really think, but he thinks what the good part about this is that this is going to perhaps encourage others who are in the military to look beyond what he called the goodness of government. There's lots, uh, they're good soldiers, and perhaps they they didn't go so far as to think it's like, this is wrong. Our leaders are unlawful because obviously they're taught to obey the chain of command, to obey commands in general. So uh, what do you think of Dennis's uh, take on this, that this is going to encourage others to see that there is something wrong, and now that every there's more standing up, maybe there will be more pushback, and perhaps that will lead to some significant changes? Well, it's possible. I, I mean, uh, it, it's an ineluctable fact that one of the fundamental problems for anyone who aspires to become a despot is what to do with the organized force at your disposal. Because that force that can be used to put down peasant uprisings and uh, crush neighboring states and all this good stuff, right, can also turn against you. So it's no accident, for example, that during the entire Roman Empire period, almost all of Rome, Rome's empire emperors, actually starting from from Julius Caesar, who wasn't really an emperor, and certainly Augustus, his successor, were all military men because they relied, coming to power, on having enough of the military loyal to them and their chain of command that they could use force, mm -hmm. very crude but effective, to ultimately march into Rome and amid rivers of blood and get raised up on the shield by their, by their men and be proclaimed emperor. And so this happened again and again and again in Roman history. And in, in, in the world we live in today, for example, 
Xi Jinping in China, Vladimir Putin in Russia, certainly Kim Jong-un in Korea, three states that rely crucially on the power of the military, yeah. are also very paranoid. I mean, Xi Jinping is currently been purging the military because he's afraid they'll turn against him. And one of the problems he faces, should he create a unified command preparatory to, let's say, an invasion of Taiwan or confrontation with the West, is that unified command could decide, no, we don't want this, and throw him out of power. So this same problem exists here in the United States as our own government, particularly the executive branch thereof, arrogates more and more power into itself, becomes more and more despotic, and comes to rely more and more on either the military or the threat of military action to enforce whatever illegitimate edicts mm -hmm. it hands down, it equally has to worry about dissent within the ranks, bringing about its own demise. Yeah, I mean, we're going to definitely, it's going to be interesting to watch what happens. And I especially liked that part where they're saying, you know, we're going to run for office. We're going to do whatever uh, is possible. I think the biggest threat to them is always seeing someone stand up because they're afraid others are going to follow. Thank you, Steve. Coming up, despite passing through the proper legislative processes, anti-perversion legislation in Ohio and Iowa have hit roadblocks. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Declaration of Independence proclaims God-given rights, and we intend to protect them. Working with people like you for over 50 years, preserving freedom and building a better tomorrow. Safeguarding the Constitution by limiting government power. We are restoring liberties, educating voters, and leading the freedom movement. Join with us. United, we will defend our rights. We are all Americans. We are the John Birch Society. Hey folks. Are you still without the new American's latest collector's edition bookazine, the one on self-reliance? If we don't practice individual responsibility and learn to provide for ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. Self-Reliance Foundation of Freedom is a polished collector's edition that includes articles on the self-sufficiency of the founders, worst case scenario preparation, firearm self-reliance, financial liberty, and other related topics. We encourage you to get a copy. You might as well get two. One for you, another as a gift for someone you care about. You can order copies at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office at 800-727-8783. Now let's look at our next story. A Biden appointed federal judge ruled the Iowa law banning sex books in elementary schools and barring teachings on gender ideology unreasonable and puritanical. Judge Stephen Locker said the law didn't target books containing graphic descriptions of sex in any reasonable way. He said the ban was too broad. In his ruling, Locker said, instead, the law requires a wholesale removal of every book containing a description or visual depiction of a sex act, regardless of context, as the dirty books could be, in the judge's opinion, a work of history, self-help guide, award-winning novel, or other piece of serious literature. The judge also struck down a part of the law that prevents school districts from offering programs, tests, or instructions related to gender identity and sexual orientation to students from kindergarten through sixth grade. Locker, however, did uphold a provision that requires schools to tell parents if their child uses pronouns different from their sex. Meanwhile, in Ohio, 
Republican Governor Mike DeWine vetoed legislation that would have banned sex change surgeries and hormonal interventions for minors. The legislation would have also barred men from competing in women's sports. House Bill 86 received widespread support from Ohio lawmakers. It passed the House and the Senate with a supermajority vote. In the official veto message on the bill, DeWine said his decision was about protecting human life, yet admitted that there is no comprehensive data regarding persons who receive this care. And he agreed that no surgery of this kind should ever be performed on those under 18. DeWine said that instead of outlawing child mutilation, his cabinet will develop a set of administrative rules aimed at restricting the surgeries. Nevertheless, there's a good chance the General Assembly will override the governor's veto with a three-fifths majority vote and the bill will become law. Steve, is this the will of the people being subverted here? Well, I, I suppose it is. And as we, we discussed yesterday, this is a this is a fraught topic because if we talk, if we insist too much on the rule, you know, the will of the people, whatever that may be, being universally and unquestionably respected, then we're moving into the domain of pure democracy, which is fraught with hazards. We yeah. don't believe, you know, and this is a, maybe a topic for another day, but suffice it to say that we understand and the founders understood that pure democracy is not what we aspire to. And this is the reason that American, the American system of, of constitutional government is more appropriately called a, con, a republic than a democracy. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, this pla these both pass through the legislative process. Well, I mean, so, I mean yeah. th they do. But, and, but uh, you know, to, to, the, to your first point uh, regarding, well, to the first instance regarding the judge overthrowing. In Iowa. The federal judge. Mm, yeah, in the federal judge in Iowa overthrew it and said, "Well, because it would, it would, it would, it would, you know, maybe uh, exclude things that are, you know." He mentioned self-help manuals and works of art and all these other things. And the the significant fact here is that this is all a byproduct of this bizarre legal theory that has grown up in the last 60, 70 years or so to the effect that pornography constitutes speech. Yeah, and therefore. When we talk about whether or not prurient materials should be allowed in this venue or that, it's essentially a free speech related issue. But how does that okay? apply to schools, to well, kids? Well, that, that, that's what he's saying in effect. And, and so, so the point is, uh, the point that I was getting to was that prior to the, to, to the appearance of that, that conceit, um, you know, obviously that you know the, the what was his name Larry Flint, of course, Larry, the, Flint, the, Larry Flint, yeah, the infamous Flint, yeah. pu <clears throat> publisher of Hustler magazine, now 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 deceased. Um, <clears throat> that was his big, you know, cause for his life was was convincing people that the materials, the filth that he produced, was in fact a form of free expression, i.e., free speech, and people bought that. And so, you know, prior to all of that, I don't think there would have, you know, any judge would have said, well, that's you know, the states can do whatever they want. With this, it's a matter of of, of local. If, if a state wants to be well nigh puritanical and outlaw, let's say, nude statues or pictures mm. of Venus of Ma, de Milo or, or whatever, they're free to do that. Yeah. And the idea that this is all a matter of, of of First Amendment protected free speech would never have entered their heads. But now that that, that it has, that the whole terms of the debate, you know, the the, the positioning of the Overton window mm -hmm. with regard to, to to free speech and the limits thereon has shifted completely. And so now everyone has been conditioned to just assume, oh, well, yeah, sure, dirty pictures or things that might be construed as dirty pictures, even if they're, let's say, illustrations in a medical book or something like that, that that's all falls under the purview of, of free speech, when yeah. in fact, it clearly did not by any reasonable construction of the intent of the founding fathers. Thank you, Steve.
And for our final story, Harvard University President Claudine Gay quit her job yesterday after an anonymous professor filed a new complaint that alleged another six instances of plagiarism. The new complaint followed others that leveled more than 40 plagiarized passages in her doctoral dissertation and published works. All right, Steve, that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm going to pass it off to you. It seems like everyone knows that gay is the quintessential identity hire here. This is terrible for people of color with gen, uh, I, you know, who, who obviously have merit, who have legitimate claim to their positions and whatnot. What do you make of this story? I think you've been following it a little bit. I have, and my first reaction is that woman's hair is almost as short as yours. <laughs> Just looking at the picture, but. She's got cooler glasses too. Well, I suppose, but she, on, on her nine, I don't know if I can pull that on her nine hundred k annual salary, she can afford whatever glasses she wants to buy, and so and it's it's important to note that although she has now ignominiously stepped down from her position, she's as not Harvard leaving, City, is she? Oh no, no, she still enjoys her tenure ten tenured professorship mm -hmm. at Harvard University with all of the perks that that implies in exchange for producing the incredibly shoddy. Uh, completely ideologically charged pap that passes for most academic research nowadays. Yes. That's what she does. The, you know, I, I think for me, in some ways, the real story is that uni American universities have largely ceased to be centers of A, scholarship, and B, learning. By scholarship, I mean research and other things that involve the, you know, the, the creation of new ideas, discovery of, and this kind of thing. That has all gone by the wayside. Politics Which, is the main component. Politics driving. is now absolutely paramount. You know, American Lysenkoism reigns supreme to the extent that there remain advances in human knowledge, um, pro progress in education. It is most definitely occurring, particularly higher education. It is occurring largely outside the sphere of all of the, these large universities. Some smaller universities, perhaps, I mean, Grand Canyon University, which is now being persecuted by the federal government on spurious charges, is a Christian university. Full disclosure, I did teach courses for them online once upon a time, so I know something about them. So, you know, all, you can pretty much identify the bona fide remaining institutions of, of higher education by whether or not the federal government is going after them or not. And if they are, they say, oh, they're probably doing something right. Yeah, okay. that, that's probably the same thing yeah. with individuals and influencers. You can tell who, who, who the good ones are by how badly the, or uh, furiously the government is going after them. Right. I mean, I mean, I mean this, this lady, whatever her, her, her merits or lack thereof as a human being may be, I don't know her personally, I don't know much about her, but I can pretty much guarantee you that her scholarship is, is worthless. It will be forgotten 100 years from now, as is the case for 99% of all tenured academics in the United States. I mean, a few years ago, there was a big kerfuffle at my first alma mater, Penn State University, the big scandal involving the football team and the, all that, the pedophile stuff. Yeah, and one of the people caught up in it was the university president, who was a PhD, and he was brought in uh, for, you know, with, with high plaudits. You know what he got his PhD in and what his expertise is in? Wife swapping. What? He's, he is, is that a real thing? He has published books on that. He has a degree in family studies, no but that's way. his specialty. Okay, and that's what got him this plum presidential position at Penn State University was the fact that he was one of the world's top experts in spouse swapping. We so, don't script this. This is generally a surprise. I had no idea that was ever a thing. Like you can actually You'd get be a degree. I, I would be. I am. All right. After this, the CEO of the John Birch Society discusses the organization's action agenda for 2024. I, I certainly would not want a constitutional convention. I mean, whoa. 
Who knows what would come out of that? Just imagine if we have a constitutional convention, the number of people who will be unhappy and the number of people who say the results are not valid, and then they'll just ignore the entire Constitution. What we need are just more people that would read the one we have. It isn't the Constitution that's the problem. It is the people who ignore the Constitution that usurp power and abuse the constitutional power that they ostensibly have. If you can't enforce an existing piece of paper, how are you going to enforce a piece of paper that has a little more writing to it? In other words, it's been amended. It's up to us to hold our elected officials accountable. What can you do to elect good representatives and senators in your state legislature who understand the Constitution and are willing to take a stand? Welcome back, folks. So 2024 is expected to be a wild and unpredictable year. And joining me to discuss the JBS's plans for this year is CEO Bill Hahn. Welcome, sir. Hey, thanks for having me back on, Paul. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's actually your show. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like I said, um, there's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of crazy stuff. Obviously, we have an election and in between, there's no no way to know what, what all is going to happen. But that's uh, that's all the more reason uh, to have a plan, huh? And so uh, let's share. What What is the John Birch Society? What are some of our focuses this, this coming year? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and as a matter of fact, I think members can uh, certainly attest to the fact that 2024 is going to look a lot like 2023 from a standpoint of, of Birch activity. Now, what's really interesting uh, and what's nice uh, is that there's plenty of consistency when it comes to our agenda. And you can look up our agenda online at jbs.org. As a matter of fact, um, for those that uh, can see through the through monitor, I'll just hold up. I printed off a mm -hmm. uh, you know a quick copy of it, and you know as as you well know, we have a, a quite a quite a thick booklet you know on the agenda that goes. Oh, it's not that specific. that thick. You could go and download it. You can read it in a <laughs> few minutes. You can download it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But and we offer that for free, obviously uh, mm -hmm. you know online too. But but the whole point of the of the agenda is basically to uh, you know expose the the conspiracy in its deep state and to help protect the Constitution. And so when we look at you know what we're going to be doing specifically for 2024, uh, a lot of this stuff doesn't change from year to year. You know there are some updates you know now you know time, yeah. time and again, uh, but overall I mean it it really much stays you know stays pretty consistent. And so when we look at our, our, our top projects, we're looking at uh, basically, you know, reining in big government with nullification in line with stopping a constitutional convention. Mm. So there's, there's a movement out there to, uh, you know, hold a convention under Article 5 of the, of the U.S. Constitution and to uh, basically have um, amendments added to the, to the Constitution. Yeah. Yet, as we, as we have seen in 1787, the precedence is scary. Um, we had the founding fathers back then to help guide the process, which was right. fantastic. We don't have that now. You mean we don't have people like the founding fathers in Congress to guide us? No. Yes. No, unfortunately. Yeah. And as, as good as, as some of those folks are, I mean, they'll... There's a few good ones out there. Yes, yes, yes. But but unfortunately, um, how organization goes and how you know planning and things like that, you know, we, we rely on folks to follow the rules. Yeah. And that's not going to happen in a, in a convention. Yeah. I mean, the folks pushing this this Article 5 convention are well-funded. They, they got all sorts of, uh, of tools at their disposal. But what they don't have are good arguments. And they got their butts kicked last year. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the same unless our folks come together 
and we have amazing folks. We work with other organizations as well, right? Yes, yes. Uh, to stop. And, and, and so basically stopping the, the Constitutional Convention, that's that's more of a, of a, of a, I guess I would call it a, the defense plan, whereas the offense is, is basically reigning in, you know, government with, uh, with nullification. And part of that, obviously, is, is, is uh, supporting your local police, understanding that the, uh, the police and the local sheriff, you know, they have the power to actually stop enforcement or to not enforce uh, the unconstitutional edicts, laws, regulations, rules, things of that nature that come through you know, legislative mm-hmm. bodies. Um, so that would be especially important considering what might come down. Uh, well, absolutely. Here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and we have been pushing, you know, election integrity, uh, you know, since, uh, you know, at least 2020 from that standpoint, you know, trying to get people to move, you know, from uh, the electronic machines, you know, back to, you know, paper ballots, yes. hand counting, you know, things of that nature. Where that has happened, it's been pretty successful in, in, in holding that, that integrity. So 2024 will be an interesting test to see just how far down the road people are. Uh, I know here in the state of Wisconsin, we've made some progress, you know, in, in areas in, in regards to that, uh, you know, outlawing um, these, uh, these these drop, these boxes. drop boxes and, you know, things of that nature. But uh, really how far, you know, have some states, you know, progressed. Some of us have done very well, others mm-hmm. not so much. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what happens, you know, with that. But in all of our, and, and, and I should should mention, that when we look at at, the, at these projects again, all of these projects are based off of you know JBS member and supporter activity. So we ask members and supporters to go out and and actually distribute you know information, help to educate the electorate, which is something that the founding fathers had utilized to help you know build uh, awareness and movement for for independence. Uh, so we are have been undertaking that since you know 1958. Our some of our our um, first chapters came about in 1959, and of course now we're in, we're in all 50 states. Uh, we have you know local chapters um, and members in uh, nearly every community. Uh, so you know it's it's important for us to to be organized to uh, be part of the John Birch Society and actually get out into the community, because it's 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 not unlike anything else where you know if you're asking people to get involved you need to be out there showing them what you can do and showing them the successes that, that you're having within that, within that community. Yeah. And I, I would add that no matter what happens in 2024, when you're talking about education, education is always the foundation of, of, of good policy, the foundation of, of defense, the foundation of offense, the pen, whatever comes our way. And that's why, you know, we, we report over and over all these stories of censorship and things like that. We were just talking about that petition that apparently Facebook is censoring. Well, they know the enemy of humanity, the conspiracy, the insiders, all the names we've used for them. And now they're called deep. Well, there's, you know, parallels and whatever, but the deep state, they know that if people know What's happening? That's that's the greatest fear, isn't it? Because from knowledge springs action that is actually going to be effective, huh? Absolutely, yeah. And and this is why you know there's such a movement to to censor, uh, you know, now nowadays. I mean, in the in the in the last you know few years, uh, you've seen that crackdown happen, you know, quite quite a bit. But yet, as as members of the John Birch Society know, this is nothing new for us. Right. So we we've come to roll the punches and and uh, basically think you know down the road okay so if they're going to do this well, that means we're going to have to do something else right this is one of, that's one of the uh, the the reasons why this show is on yeah you know it's very hard to censor 
us from that standpoint. Well, they have censored us. They banned us off of YouTube. That's right. Uh, they, they shadow ban us uh, on various other uh, platforms and things like that because we are dangerous mm. uh, and for good reason. And like you said, I mean, it started in the 60s. They started attacking us, censoring us. Uh, so we, we were there again yes, yes. <laughs> before everyone else. Exactly. You know, and uh, so again, we, we go back to, you know, what, what we do in, our, in, the, in the local communities. And um, what's popular among our, our membership right now is distributing uh, scorecards that are based yes. off of the um, the voting records of not just the federal legislators, those that are in Congress, but also those that are in the state, okay, state legislators. So we have a crack team of researchers that have gone out yeah. and looked at the these 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 votes and scored them accordingly as far as their adherence to the Constitution, the federal Constitution. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so. These you can actually and and there you can actually go to the website at jbs.org or go to thefreedomindex.org right and look up your uh, senators, uh, your representative as well as those that are in the in the states, and download these for free. Print them out on your own. Uh, you can take them to a local local copy you know uh, uh, place or local printer. Have these things you know really uh, really duplicated. And then have you know them distributed among the, you know neighborhoods, uh, among um, you know the the business community, those that have influence. Yes, that can help to spread the spread the word. And what happens in in all this, Paul, is that you have then people that understand exactly where their elected officials are voting, how they're voting, mm-hmm. and then they can help generate. It goes past the rhetoric. Yes, yes. It, well, they can they can generate that type of pressure then that will help them to those those legislators then to uh, vote better. Yes. So. We, we make these uh, scorecards available on jbs.org and on thenewamerican.com. But if you're interested in jbs.org, there's the Freedom Index right on the top. And I also want to go mm-hmm. back to that booklet. Uh, we do have a bunch of free booklets. And if you go to ebooklets under education at jbs.org, you can go right up to ebooklets and get them. Uh, you can download them for free, PDFs and all that. Uh, yes, but the key is activity. Yes. Keep it up. Oh, yeah. Don't just read it. Do something. (laughs) Thank you very much, sir. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the New American Daily. Remember to visit newamerican.com for more truth-binding news. Please join us again for another episode tomorrow.